Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. What a good reminder that is, that sometimes we just need to unplug and be quiet and listen to God, to listen to his, tr- uh, his truth, to let the peace of God really reign over our lives. We've been starting this, or we started this series several weeks ago. We've been in the middle of this series called God Is, and the purpose of the series is to really understand God. God is multifaceted. We can't just understand him. With the word God, we have to understand more about his character, his nature, uh, his essential qualities, and that's what this idea has been in God Is, where we are picking up, like picking up that diamond and turning that diamond and when you do, you see the light refle- uh, reflected or, or, or ref- uh, really showing in different ways. Uh, that's the way God is. You turn who God is. You turn what the Bible says and you, le- you see God from a completely different perspective and you understand him in a very different way. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 through 18, it says this, Loved ones, be on your guard. So that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your sure footing. Instead, keep growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and and our Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. To him be the glory now and to the day of eternity. Amen. What does it say? Keep growing in grace and knowledge. That's what God wants. He wants us to know him in a more intimate way, to know more about him, to know what he is like, what makes God tick. Why did God do everything that he has done? And we have met him in multiple different ways. We have met him as Elohim, that is creator. We have met him as Yahweh, that's the eternal promise-keeping God. We have met him as Adonai, that is ruler, master, Lord, king of kings, Lord of lords. We have met him as El Shaddai, the almighty God, the immovable God, but also the caregiving God. We have met him as Yahweh Yira, the God who sees and the God who provides. Last week, we met him as Yahweh Nissi, the God who is our banner and our standard, the one whose flag flies over us as we go into the midst of battles in our lives. And today, We are going to meet him as God, who is our shalom. Let's pray as we get into this. Father, I pray for just quiet hearts and quiet minds that we would put aside the problems that we are facing, the issues that we are struggling with, the battles in our world that are raging around us. We would just quiet ourselves, be still, and know that you really are God. You provide a peace to our hearts, that peace that we are so longing after, that we so want to find. I pray, Father, as we open your word and we dive into your word today, that you would teach us the truths that we need to know and that it would do something magnificent in our hearts. There are a lot of people, I believe, here today who this message is going to apply to. 
Because right now they don't feel a sense of peace in their hearts. They feel anything but peace. Maybe anxiety and depression and worry and stress has just taken hold of them. And they need to hear specifically today, Lord, that you are the God who is our shalom. For the marriages that are struggling and there is no peace in the homes, for the people that are going to work and and the jobs are, are stressful and there is no peace... For the ones that are battling, Lord, just the battles are raging around them and they feel no peace, make today a day where they experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Lord, as we open your word now, be with us, teach us. We invite you to this place. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Shalom. This is the most common greeting in the Jewish world. If you go to Israel, they will greet you with shalom. When you leave the conversation, they will leave it with shalom. Uh, Jewish people, not only in Israel, but around the world, will greet you in this manner, or again, they will leave the conversation. It's not hello and goodbye. It is always with this idea of shalom. Now, in your Bibles, the word shalom is most often translated peace. The reason behind that is that we don't have a word in our language that describes what shalom actually is. So they came up with the closest they could connect to, and that is this idea of peace. This question was once asked on a survey, and the question was this. If you could choose what you want most in life, what would you ask for? The most common answer was not money, it was not power. The most common answer that people gave was the answer of peace. They want peace. Externally, all around us, there is not peace. Right now, you look around the world and you see a lack of peace everywhere you go. It's in every country, it's in every community. It's a lack of peace. In our nation, we are the most divided we have ever been. There is a lack of peace in our nation with a great battle that seems to be looming. There is just no peace. But it's not just our nation, it's not just in a governmental system, it's also in your jobs. There may be jobs that you're doing that you have a lack of peace. In your marriage, there may be a lack of peace. In your family, there may be a lack of peace. That's externally, there is a lack of peace, but it doesn't just stay external. It also turns internal, internally in our hearts. For many of us, we have a lack of peace. Depression is rampant, anxiety, worry, fear, anger, bitterness, hatred, all is stemming from a heart that is discontent and lacks any sense of peace. And so what do we do? Well, we try to mask it or we try to medicate it in some manner and in some way. It could be through prescription medications, thinking if I get to the right prescription, it will calm my heart and I will start having peace. Or maybe we turn to alcohol and drugs, thinking those will be the answers. I can escape into those things and that will help me finally have peace. We go to selfish endeavors, seeking after pleasure, seeking after material things, and we think there is a lack of peace. And so we look for ways in which we can try to get, uh, try to get peace. People long for it. They crave it externally and internally, that we could just somehow quiet the voices and we could finally feel that sense of peace. What we're going to learn today is that God is the only source of peace. He is the only source of shalom that we can possibly ever find. 
This comes out of Judges chapter 6. We're going to find it here, and then we're going to come back and we're going to look at the story here in just a little bit. In Judges chapter 6, it is the story of a guy by the name of Gideon. I'm going to give you the context and tell you what was going on in that time in just a little bit. But in Judges chapter 6, it says this, But Adonai said to Gideon, Shalom to you. Fear not, you will not die. So Gideon built an altar there to Adonai and called it Adonai Shalom. To this day, it is yet in Ophrah of the Abbey's rites. That's the place where this altar was going to be built in a place where God would be known as the God of Shalom. Now remember in our previous studies that the word Adonai, you may see it in your Bibles as the word Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Anytime you see capital L-O-R-D or capital Adonai, that is a reference to the name Yahweh. So really it is this, but Yahweh said to him, Shalom to you, and Gideon said, we will call this Yahweh Shalom. He is our source of peace. So the question becomes, what is Shalom? Well, the word shalom, again, most often is translated peace, but that is so inadequate because it is so much more than peace. The actual word shalom means this, completeness, wholeness, Harmony, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, contentment, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. Uh, discord. That's what shalom is. Shalom is the overwhelming sense of fullness and wholeness and peace and contentment and finally feeling at rest. Isn't that what our hearts are craving the most. I just want to finally get to the place where I feel at rest. I feel content. I feel peace. I feel whole. I feel fullness. That's what shalom is. God is our shalom. He is our wholeness. He is our contentment. He is our peace. So in him, we can finally find completeness and rest and harmony and tranquility and contentment. That's what the idea of shalom is. That's what God wants us to have. We're never going to find peace in external ways. We will never find peace through changing jobs or changing spouses. We will never find peace through buying a new car or buying a, buying a new toy. We will never find peace through alcohol and drugs. We will never find peace through other pursuits. We will only find true peace from God. That's how he has designed us. That's how he has made this relationship, and that's what he wants us to experience. So today, I want to look a little bit deeper at this story in the book of Judges, the story of Gideon. And I want to, as we prepare for this, getting into this story, I just want to set the stage for you so that you can understand where we are coming from as we get to the story of Gideon. There's a lot of history that happened between the Israelites getting set free from Egypt and the time of Gideon. One of the things that God had told the people to do is once you go into the promised land, I want you to take over the promised land and I want you to drive out anybody that is there who is contrary to me. Drive out all of the nations that are there, all of the people groups that are there, because if you don't, it's going to be a problem. 
He gave this warning in Numbers chapter 33, verses 51 and through 53. Here's what he says. God said, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, you must drive out all of the inhabitants of the land before you. You must destroy all of their idols and cast images and demolish their high places. You will take possession of the land so you will settle in it because I have given it to you to possess. Then he goes on to say, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, whoever you allow to remain will become to you barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land in which you will be living. Then what I had intended to do to them, I will do to you. There is something incredible about this thing that is being said. It's a simple command of God. I want you just to drive out all of the people that are there. And if you don't, it's going to come back to haunt you. By the way, when you come to the Lord, there are things in your life that God is saying to you, drive it out of your life. There are times in your life when you come to the Lord that he says, it's time to break off that relationship because it's destructive. He may say to you, put away the things that you've always been doing because if you don't, it will come back to haunt you. By the way, that goes not just for an individual, it goes for a family and it goes for a community and it goes for a nation. What you tolerate will own you. What you don't drive out will come back to haunt you. God warns and says, if you don't, this will be a barb in your eye and a thorn in your side. What you tolerate, listen to this, what you tolerate will dominate. Got that? If you tolerate this act of sin in your life, in the life of the church, in the life of the community, in the life of the nation, it will turn back and it will dominate because you did not deal with it. God says to them, you drive this out, you drive them out, and if you don't, it will dominate you, it will affect you, it will be a barb in your eye and a thorn in your side. Well, certainly, the Israelites who had seen all of the magnificent things that God had done, certainly, when they got to the promised land, they drove out exactly doing what God had said, right? Judges chapter 1, they finally get into the land, And here's what it says of all of the tribes of Israel. Chapter 1, verse 21. But the children of Benjamin, that was one of the tribes of Israel, did not drive out the Jebusites. So the Jebusites continued to live with the children to this day. Manasseh, verse 27, did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shem and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages. So they... They, they dwelt with them to this day. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. Nor did Asher drive out the inhabitants. Nor did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants. God had said, if you don't do this, it will come back to affect you. Did it affect them? The answer is yes. It affected them drastically. Because they did not drive out and do what God had said to do, 
the nation of Israel would go through seven cycles over and over, repeating the same thing over and over again, and they would never have peace. The peace that they craved, they would never have because they refused to obey and do what God had said. Do you know that that's often why we don't have peace? Because we haven't done what God has said to do. We tolerate it. We let it in. We, we walk by it. And because of that, we don't ever get the peace that God wants to bring to our hearts. Here's the cycle that they went through. And I want you to see this, this cycle that happened seven times in the book of Judges. They went through, and it starts with a time of peace. They felt peace. Life was good. They're close to God. They're walking with God. Things are going well. We're going to church every Sunday. We're, in our, we're studying the Bible every day. We get up, we're doing our devotions. We're praying together. We're a part of Bible studies, small groups. Life is good. We love it. And then that time of peace always led into a time of apathy. You know what apathy is? Just indifference. It's like, I just don't have the energy anymore. I just don't care anymore. It's not as important to me anymore. So where they were once on fire for God, now it's like, you know, I'll go if I feel like it. I'll turn it on if I feel like it. I'll listen to worship music if I feel like it. Uh, I'll be a part of small groups sometimes, maybe not. I just don't have much time. They became very apathetic and they became very indifferent toward God. Now that would always lead then naturally to a time of rebellion. What is rebellion? That is willful sin and disobedience in the eyes of God. I felt good with God. I had a close connection with God. Then I got apathetic toward God. And then I went outright into doing what is wrong in the eyes of God. Well, that rebellion always led to and always prompted the Lord's discipline. And the Lord's discipline would be heavy. They had consequences, the consequences that they faced because they rebelled against God. In that discipline, they realized they had screwed up, so they began to repent. And that repentance would drive them to call out for God, and in that repentance, God would deliver them, he would help them, he would intervene, and you know what would happen as a result of that? They would feel peace once again. That's the nation but how many of you, just being honest, would that cycle describe your life? I mean, you don't have to raise your hands. I appreciate the ones that did. But how many would that just describe your life? I felt good with God. I'm connected to God. I'm on fire for God. And then I become apathetic. And then all of a sudden I find myself doing something I can't believe I did. Can't believe I got headlong into. And then... I felt the Lord's discipline because I felt serious consequences because of what I had done. And then I just, I, I, I cried out to God. I cried out in repentance. I wanted to do that 180 degree turn and I came back to him and he delivered me and then I have peace again, only to repeat the cycle again and again and again and again. This is the nation of Israel. Why? Because they had not dealt with the issues that they needed to deal with from the very beginning. And because they did not deal with it then, it became a thorn in their side today. That brings us to the story of Gideon. And I would say of the story of Gideon, it's the life and times of a man and a nation in need of peace. Let's just read this. And then I'm going to give you just some observations. And we'll wrap it up with those observations. Here's the story. 
Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says these words. And this gets us to Yahweh Shalom, the Lord who is my peace. Then the people of Israel, they did what was evil in Adonai's eyes. They were in the stage of rebellion. They did what was evil in Adonai's eyes. So Adonai, Yahweh, gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. That's the discipline. They rebelled, and now they're in the discipline stage. Now notice this word, I, I, this, this phrase, next phrase. Midian, who was the enemy of the people, maintained an upper hand over Israel. Remember, what you tolerate will dominate. Because you didn't deal with them in the beginning, because you rebelled against me, because I'm going to bring discipline on you, the people you tolerated will now dominate you. By the way, in our society, what we as a society tolerate will end up dominating. Because of Midian, the people of Israel made themselves hideouts in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever Israel had done their sowing, in other words, they're doing their planting, their, their, their springtime planting, the Midianites and the Amalekites and people from the east would come up and raid them. So they would sow and the produce would grow and then the Midianites would, Midianites would just come and steal everything. Well, that's what sin, by the way, does. Sin, when you are allowing it to be uh, still in your life, when you're not driving it out, it will steal and rob the blessings of your life. It will steal and rob the harvests of your life. They would come up, they would raid them. They would set up camp by them, destroy the produce of the land as far as Gaza, and leave nothing in Israel to live on. Not a sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their cattle and their tents invade like a multitude of locusts. Both they and their camels were innumerable, and they would come to the land to ruin it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel, what did they do? They got to the point of repentance. They cried out to the Lord. You have rebellion discipline, and now you have repentance. They would cry out to the Lord, to Yahweh. Now it came about when the people of Israel cried out to Adonai because of Midian that Adonai sent a prophet to the people of Israel. This is the deliverance. He's going to send them a deliverer. And he said to them, thus says Adonai, God of Israel, it was I who brought you up out from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. Then I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all of your oppressors. And I drove them out from before you and gave you their land. So God is just reminding them of how faithful he has always been, even though they aren't. Then God said, I said to you, I am Adonai your God. You are not to fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are dwelling, but you have not obeyed my voice. Then the angel of Adonai came and sat under the terebinth that was at Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press. That's not where you beat out the wheat, but he was doing it in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of Adonai, by the way, most scholars believe anytime you see that phrase, that's a reference to Jesus showing up in the Old Testament 
Then the angel of Adonai appeared to him and said to him, Adonai is with you, O mighty man of valor. This mighty man of valor, this is just a kid, it's just Gideon, who is doing some work in the wine press area or the wine press room in order to hide it from the Midianites. And he says, you're a man of valor. But Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if Adonai is with us, then why has all of this befallen us? So where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about saying, didn't Adonai bring us up from Egypt? But now Adonai has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. Then Adonai turned toward Gideon and said, go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of the Midian. Have not I sent you? Then Gideon said to him, me? Are you crazy? What are you thinking, me? Me, my Lord? With what would I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the poorest in Manasseh, and I'm the least to my father's house. You ever been there in life where you, God again, says to you, I want you to do this, and you say, me? Are you kidding me? I have nothing. I have no ability. I have no money. I have no influence. How could I possibly do anything? How could I possibly accomplish anything whatsoever? But Adonai said to him, it's not about you, Gideon. It's about me. Surely I will be with you. And you will strike down Midian as if it were one man. It's going to be easy for you because I am with you. By the way, that's the battles that we are in. God said, it's not about you. It's about me. I am with you. We can fight this battle because I'm going to fight it for you. When Gideon realized that he was the angel of Adonai, Gideon said, alas, my Lord, Adonai, for I have seen the angel of Adonai face to face. But Adonai said to him, Shalom to you, fear not, you will not die. So here's the word. So Gideon built an altar there to Adonai and called it Adonai or Yahweh Shalom. To this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abbey's rites. God is peace. To Gideon, who was facing impossible odds, who was living in a miserable situation. And even if Gideon hadn't done anything, the nation had rebelled against God. They were under the discipline of God. And Gideon had the peace of God in the midst of all of a chaotic situation. And so with that story as a backdrop, I want to give you, I'm going to give you five observations about Shalom. Now, these are not going to take long, so don't worry that it's five. I'll go through these quickly. First observation is this. Number one, shalom is not dependent upon circumstances. What does that mean to you and I? The shalom of God is not dependent upon your rotten marriage. The shalom of God is not dependent upon who's in the White House. The shalom of God is not dependent upon world events. The shalom of God is not dependent upon the people that you work with. It's not dependent upon the students that you teach. It's not dependent upon the people that you have to uh, uh, carpool with. The shalom of God is dependent upon God alone. It does not matter what's going on externally around you. It's all about what's going on internally in you. Do, do you does that make sense? 
The shalom of God does not depend upon the external. It depends entirely on the internal. You may have gone through pain and crisis and trial and tragedy and heartache and burdens. But it does not matter what is happening outside of you. It's what's going on inside of you. Jesus said it this way. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Shalom, I leave you. My shalom, I give to you. But not as the world gives. It's not the world's definition of peace. So don't let your heart be troubled or afraid. I've often wondered, as I read people who have gone through martyrdom in the church, People who have been burned alive at the stake in the Reformation period. People that were bringing the word of God into the population as a whole. And they were killed as martyrs just for printing the word of God in the common language and then distributing it. They were burned at the stake. There are people today in Afghanistan that are fighting for their lives. There are people in parts of Africa today that may lose their lives. And I often wonder, how do you face that? How would we go through an event like that? It's not about what's going on externally. It's the internal peace of God that surpasses all understanding that will help you fight whatever battle you need to fight. Jesus says, I will give you my peace, but it's not the world's definition. It's my definition. I will make you complete and whole and content and at rest because the peace that I will leave with you. He said again in John 16, these things I have spoken to you so that in me, in Jesus, you may have shalom. Where do we find shalom? In Jesus. There is no other way. There's no other means that you can attempt to find the shalom that God provides except through Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other possibility. It doesn't matter if you, if you consume something, if you, if you look for prescriptions, if you look for alcohol, if you change jobs, if you change spouses, it will never change. The peace of God, the shalom of God only comes through Jesus. In the world, he says, you will have trouble. You will. I think many of us could say, yes, I understand that because I have. In the world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Isaiah 54.10, it says this, though the mountains depart and the hills be shaken outside of me, my love, God says, will not depart from you, nor will my covenant of shalom be shaken says Adonai, who has compassion on you. So, number one, remember that shalom doesn't come from your circumstances. It comes from what's going on in your heart. When the love of Jesus, the shalom of Jesus, interacts with your heart and invades your heart, it can change your entire outlook on life. Number two, true shalom is only found through complete trust in the Lord. Again, there is no other way, there is no other means other than completely trusting him. Isaiah 26.3, you keep in perfect shalom one whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The times in my life, and I have had many times in my life where I have felt a lack of peace, a lack of shalom, are most often related to the times in my life that I have been trusting God the least. 
The times of my life that I have been trusting God the most, I have had the most sense of peace taking over my heart. And I believe that that's not unique to me. I believe you can relate to that extremely easily yourselves. The time where I have been the most distant from God, I have had the most lack of peace. The times that I have been the closest to God, the peace of God has overcome my heart. Number three, Yahweh Shalom makes your life whole. He makes your life whole. If you are looking for wholeness, if you are looking for fullness, if you are looking for contentment in your life, it only comes through the God who is our shalom. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Paul says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Any anxiety problems here today? Any nervousness, any anxiety or worry or, or fears that have overwhelmed you today? Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what happens as the result of that? Well, the shalom of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Messiah, Yeshua, Christ Jesus. How does that happen? It happens when I am trusting him the most, when I am leaning into him the most, when I am allowing him to work in my heart the most, regardless of what's going on around me. When I do that, he makes me whole. That's the craving of the human heart. We want to be whole. We want to be at peace. We want to be at rest. We want to be content. Where does it come from? It only comes through the Lord. Number, number four, Yahweh Shalom makes your life sound. Not only does he make your life whole, but he also makes your life sound. Do you guys remember the parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 7? It's a parable about a guy, two guys actually, building a house. You remember that? One was building it on a very, very shifting uh, foundation. It was being built on sand. The other guy was building his house on a very firm foundation. He was building it on rock. It was where it needed to be sunk in and the place that the, it was a good foundation. And when the storms came, it blew one apart and the other remained standing. Here's how Jesus said it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Yahweh Shalom makes your life sound. In other words, that's the only way that you can stand up when the storms come against you. When the waves crash and the winds blow and the floods come, the only way we can handle it is through God who is our peace. Number five, last one. Yahweh Shalom makes your life complete. He makes your life whole. He makes your life sound. He makes your life complete. It's not found in any other way other than trusting in the Lord it doesn't matter as to what's going on externally. It's all about the internal realities. And when we have experienced that, he makes my life complete. John 15, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. 
The one who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing, absolutely nothing, because he is the one that makes our life complete. Many people in life, maybe including many in this room today, don't have peace in their hearts today. You don't feel whole. You don't feel full. You don't feel complete. You don't feel sound. You don't feel content. There's just a lack of peace. Out of that lack of peace, you may be thinking, what can I do to fix that? And so you may try self-help books. You may try prescription medications. You may turn to alcohol. You may turn to changing your spouse, changing your job, thinking that'll be the magic answer. None of those things will ever fix the lack of peace that you may feel today. There is only one way that that ever changes, and it is through Yahweh Shalom, the Lord who is our peace. Do you know him like that today? Have you turned your heart to him today? Have you come to him in complete trust and saying, you know what? I am so sick of this cycle that I have been in. I have, I've been on fire for you. And then I get apathetic towards you. And then I find myself rebelling against you and doing what is wrong. And then I feel the consequences of it. I'm so sick of this. I'm sick of this pattern I'm in. Or you may say, I'm just so sick of feeling miserable. I'm so sick of the anxiety and the worry, the stress. And you think, well, what can I do? How can I fix this? There's only one way. Only one way to have inner peace that surpasses all understanding. And that is a complete trust in the Lord. When you come to Jesus in full faith, saying, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you in my heart. I want to follow you and be committed to you. Jesus, I'm sick of feeling miserable. I want the peace in my heart that only you can provide. I want to abide in you and you in me. All of a sudden, life changes. Perspectives change. I remember in my life, early in my life especially, early in my life as a believer, that I was still looking to worldly things to make my life full of peace. And even though I was a believer, I was still miserable. And it was not until I finally came to that decision to say, God, I don't, I'm sick of this, this uh, partial relationship. I want to be fully yours. I want to trust you completely. And I'm going to quit looking at the world around me for the hopes that I'll get peace. I want to look to you. And when I did that and made that decision, I started to experience and feel and sense a peace that truly did surpass all understanding. Have you made that decision? Do you know Yahweh Shalom as your God today? Let's pray as we close. Father, we thank you for the privilege of meeting with you today, of understanding that you are the God who is truly our peace. You are the God who can provide contentment and peace and wholeness and fullness to our lives wherever we are at today. The circumstances may not change. In fact, life may be get harder. Our country may go deeper and deeper down. More and more conflicts will happen. Jobs will become more stressful. Finances could become more tight. 
It, could, it may not get any better, Lord, but we can have a, an internal peace that surpasses all understanding because it's a peace that is real and genuine. Jesus, when you said, I am giving you my shalom, I am leaving my shalom with you, it's not as the world gives, it is as you give. I pray specifically today, Lord, for those in this room who aren't experiencing that, who are stressed and worried and full of anxiety, who are depressed and bitter and angry and, and really holding on to hatred. And I pray for them, Lord, that you would give them that internal peace that surpasses all understanding, that they will trust in you every step of the way and experience the God who is our shalom. Lord, now as we prepare to leave, help us to be your, your church, your witnesses in a broken and hurting and messed up world. Help us to share the love of Christ as we go about every day. Lord, help us to share it without even saying a word because of the evidence and the witness of just our testimony just of our lives that are changed, that we are a shining example for you, a light on a hill. Lord, as we go out into this world, help us to bring the love of Christ everywhere we go. Thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you that you are our God, who is our shalom. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.